let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass and we're ready to go, but we're not alone this week, are we, Martin? No, we're not. So I'm going to let our guest introduce herself. Hi, I'm Katie, aka Leeds Brewster, um, and I own and brew at Nomadic Beers. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we've got the first beer in the glass, as Steve said. Um, I want to really dive in, but I think the, probably the first thing to do, and the only polite thing to do, is for you, Katie, to tell our listeners what we're drinking. Um, so the first beer is Gigi, and it's a 4.5% green hopped beer. Um, it's a pale ale and we brewed it with cascade hops that were grown in and around the Leeds area by the Leeds Cooperative. Um, so it's a bunch of volunteers that grow hops in their gardens, allotments, and then kindly donate them to us in September so we can brew with them. Brilliant. Well, let's see what, what it's like and then we can talk a bit more about that as well. So okay. cheers. 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 All right, two things. I should have taken it out of the fridge just a little bit earlier. It's very cold, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, we ha- and we'll come to this in a minute, we've got quite a lot of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, to be fair, um, it's lovely and dry and bitter at the back end of it as well. And mm-hmm. there is some really nice uh, subtle fruity notes going through it as well. Um, but it's not a northern pour that I've got. No. So, 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 so why have it's I got no. gravity pour? It's come from the north. I've got gravity <laughs> pour. It's all gone wrong. Steve, what do you think of it? I I think it's lovely. Actually, it's got. Um, I, I agree what you say about the the, the the sort of the citrus bitterness that's that, that's in there, um, and the, the the fruity notes. But for mm. me, there's this really lovely earthiness to, to yeah. it as well um, that really comes through, and like earthy maltiness that really comes through at the back of the tongue after you've finished it but yeah the, the fact that we're drinking um i mean this is this is cask beer isn't it katie that that we've got in a pouch it is it was poured from the cask and sent to you fresh so it's yeah um we started doing the pouches during lockdown um we found ourselves with quite a lot of cask beer that we couldn't sell to trade um and with no means of doing canning or anything fancy like that we bought some pouches so if people don't know what they are they're the little pouches that you can get wine and cider in so we just decanted our cask into them and started selling it in the local area um and we've not stopped so the people that supported us over lockdown as some of them are still buying it and we don't want to let them down so yeah it's <laughs> a business plan overnight as i think most breweries did during march last year and it's still going and, and this holds how much in, so what is this, about two and a half pints worth of beer in each pouch? Yes, yes. We do different size pouches, the, guy, the ones that you guys have got. It's out, I think you've got your tap room in a box. So that's four different beers. Um, you've got snacks included as well. Uh, so it is like sitting down the pub where you're not forced to drink the same, like, loads of pints in one well, go. I actually quite like that idea, I have to admit, because one of the things about... I, I, a lot of people, including myself, have done the five litre keg thing, even pre, you know, the ones which are in the supermarkets and stuff. But you need to know you're going to drink it or you've got people coming over. Yeah. So these pouches, they're only one and a half litres. And it's great because if you can store them in a, um, a garage somewhere and you only want to put one in the fridge, you're not taking up your whole fridge as well. They're quite, quite small <laughs> compared to a five litre um, mini keg, which obviously you need 
need to get rid of your fruit and veg trays in your fridge to get them in. Yeah, so well, similar to what it means, the, <laughs> the, the, um, the pinter at home, fruit mm-hmm. and veg was banned for the house for the best part of two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was the milk. That, that, yeah, the space yeah. was no longer available. But I like that, it's, it's got quite a nice little tap system. And what I, what I will say, it hasn't dripped either. No, there's no, no, no leakage from it at all. <laughs> yeah, no, no. leakage. Um, it should keep the beer fresher for longer as well, because the mini kegs, you let air in the tops, obviously it pours via gravity, whereas these bags, you can the air doesn't go in, the bag just squishes and compacts so you've got no air going in there as well so the beer should last we've we've measured it eight weeks we don't put we don't sell it that late um i think we put four weeks on the bag but yeah we've tried it at eight weeks and it's been just as good i'm impressed with both the lifetime of it but i do like the idea of having the choice that tap room in a box you were talking about mm-hmm. um and it does definitely take up less room in the fridge which made the family uh <laughs> family happier than when i put the pinter in there so that's good news as well yeah um but yeah that, it's actually really very tasty like i said the only thing and again, this is, I know that limited by science as much as anything else, is that I definitely, definitely would love to have, have this through a sparkled pour as if I was in the north in Leeds yeah. drinking this beer, which I imagine it's a fairly hard thing to replicate, even with a, yeah. a mini keg, let alone you with can, this. There are some little tips and tricks you can do with these. So if you've got one of those little milk frothers at home, if you put a little bit of beer in the bottom of your glass and froth it up and then top it up, you get ahead. Um, and people use syringes as well. So um, squirting the beer back into your glass through a syringe. But I've tried both and you get ahead, but it's not the head retention is not very good. So it's it's still not as good as cask. Cask is queen, so it's really hard I like to replicate. Cask is queen, I like that. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I like it. Yeah. And I, I think like you say there, Martin, the, the, the idea of the tap room in a box as well. If you've got if you've got friends coming over at the weekend, you, you know, four four pouches of beer, um, you can get a few decent pours out of those, can't you? And you've got you've got quite a bit to share as well, haven't you? Yeah, especially if you're using glass, which is like two thirds rather than putting it straight into pints. Three or four people who are easy going to be able to have a decent measure per pouch, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really nice idea. And as you say, Katie, I mean, last year, um, lots of breweries, big, small, medium, had to innovate very quickly. You know, yeah. especially anyone who had cast beer just brewed, ready to go out. And it's like, ah, yeah. oh, where's this yeah. going now? <laughs> exactly. We had three full fermenters when uh, Boris told us that we had to shut. So, um, yeah, we had 90-odd casks plus whatever we had in the storeroom to try and do something with and putting it down the drain was definitely going to be a very last resort so yeah it, it worked out better than I expected to be honest but did, did you end up getting most of it out or, or or was there any waste in the end that you the only waste that we had was some returned casks from wholesalers and because we didn't know how they'd been treated once they'd left I didn't know if they'd sat in a courier's warehouse or whether they'd been cold stored or what they were so I think we had about 10 casks that went down the drain. Other than that, everything else went into pouches. Well, it's not too bad. And I actually quite like what you said there, Katie, that because you didn't know what else had happened to it in between, mm-hmm. you don't want to put it out directly from yourselves. When you put the sink out directly from yourselves, you've got control over it to, a, yeah. to the, till delivery almost. Um, but after a bit with the storing and stuff, because I'm sure there would be some horror stories <laughs> yeah, people I storing mean- stuff. Yeah, um, we have no, didn't know how long they've been sat on the back of lorries, how many times they've been moved and all that. So, yeah, um, certainly but they also, went down the train. Start of it last year, it was all really warm as well, wasn't it? Actually, it we was. That sort of mini <laughs> heat wave. 
yeah it's never going to be kind to Carl Spear is it no not at all um yeah shame we didn't have that summer again this year but <laughs> well, even for a couple of weeks would have been nice yeah it? it would be yeah. <laughs> So, so transitioning to um, the, the the beer going into pouches during the the, the lockdown period, yeah, did that it, it essentially save the business, so so to speak, and <laughs> in, enable you to come out the other side and, definitely. and, and, and still be a, an active working brewery? Definitely. I mean, it was a very quick turnaround. We didn't have a premises license when this all happened. So we had to get the license. We ran on tents for a couple of months while we were sorting that out. We didn't have a shop on our website. Our website was very rudimentary of like information about the brewery and an email address on it. So that had to have our overhaul um, and a very steep learning curve on how to fill pouches <laughs> um, and how to store them. Um, so, yeah definitely got us through i'm very thankful for anybody who bought any of the pouches over lockdown if there's anyone listening thanks um because we definitely wouldn't be here um without selling those pouches so yeah <laughs> um it was it was an experience it just yeah. goes to show what you must have a fairly loyal fan base so, so to speak that people were happy to literally buy this from you on a regular basis and, yeah. and, and still get hold of your beer for what probably the best part of three six months or so wasn't it the... yeah I mean it was that actually it was really nice because being being a brewery you don't always know about people who were drinking your beers because obviously you brew the beer we have a tap room but then we were only opening once a month we weren't opening full time so quite a lot of the doorstop drops we were getting and we found that delivery times were taking quite a while because people wanted to tell us that they'd been drinking our beer for ages in so-and-so pub or they'd seen us somewhere else at an event and they really like it and we just we didn't really have an idea of how many people drank and enjoyed our beers um so yeah it was a really nice experience in a really not nice time as well so it kept our spirits high as well as being able to pay the bills but just that small um gesture of actually hand delivering the beers as well mm -hmm. you, you still kind of had that human contact almost which uh, a, yeah. a lot of people lost that didn't they well yeah um Although I'm not going to lie, Mike spoke to a lot of people. So that's my other half. He, he's not even employed by the brewery. He was volunteering and still does and does a lot. Thanks, Mike. Um, so <laughs> we had a two-person system. So I was driving. And then so we weren't touching a lot of different things and trying to keep things clean. We sanitized his half of the van <laughs> and sanitized him <laughs> um, <laughs> and the van door. So then we were trying to be as safe as possible as well. So I was just usually waving from the window. Uh, but yeah, it was still it was still nice <laughs> getting some waves back. Just picturing Mike in one of those some people with hazmat suits, <laughs> sterilising him down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was fun times. <laughs> so, do you think, in a weird way, not wishing anyone would have wanted to, to experience what happened last year, but do you think more more people know about you now further afield? Um, I think so. Most of our deliveries were within the Leeds area. So we didn't start doing courier deliveries until lockdown, I don't know, 10, whatever one was around Christmas. Um, <laughs> so um, it was a lot of local people, although we did have a few emails of people asking if they could get us through couriers. Um, but sending those pouches is a bit perilous. <laughs> you send them out and because they are obviously squishy and some couriers aren't very kind to their parcels. You never know if they're going to reach people or not intact. In and there's not really a way that you can package them properly. Um, so, yeah, that that's always fun as well. 
Um, but yeah, definitely people in the Leeds area. I think people learn about us through just Googling beer home deliveries Leeds. Um, yeah. But now you're open. We are open. So hopefully that's a, a bit of a, a bit of normality for you. But I, I'll mm-hmm. be honest, I don't know much about Nomadic's background, uh, your beer journey. I actually know more about Nomadic probably over the last year mm-hmm. because I think I've seen more coming from 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 you, from Mike, mm-hmm. and you know Nomadic. And as Steve says, we've definitely got some plenty of listeners in and around that area who've mentioned mm-hmm. Nomadic in the past. So how did Nomadic come about? Uh, so it started off with just me and Ross. Um, we worked at another brewery and it wasn't really our ethos. So we left set up on our own. Um, and we started brewing in the basement of the Fox and Newt pub on Burley Road. So they still have their own beer brand called Burley Street Brew House. And we still brew for them as well. Uh, it's just this little four barrel kit in the basement. Um, it was installed in the 70s. It's had no... Um, updates it's it's held together with gaffer tape and super glue and pure will um and yeah so we started brewing down there um and then three years ago ish we started to look for somewhere else because we found that we just couldn't keep up with demand uh and we also took on a volunteer called claire um unfortunately claire had to leave us because she adopted a baby um very selfish (laughs) (laughs) um i hope she's listening hi claire we miss you um and yeah, so we moved into where we are now, much bigger premises. We're not basement trolls anymore either. We actually get to see some sunlight and we've expanded the team a bit more. So we now have Harriet um, who does our sales, marketing, social media, um, all the things that I'm not good at. And we're very thankful that we found Harriet. She's been with us for a year now. Um, we can't keep up with her selling beer either. So we keep having to brew. She's doing a really bad job. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> um, We've also got Lars, so he he manages our tap room for us. Um, he's doing a fantastic job as well. He started with us in March, and the people who come into the tap room absolutely love him. And I think they're always a little bit disappointed if they turn up and it's me behind the bar now and not Lars. Uh, they always <laughs> ask where he is. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been a, a fun journey. With well, the last eighteen months have definitely added another chapter into the book. Um, so yeah, that's that's the story of Nomadic. Really, uh, we. We focus on cask. As I said earlier, cask is queen. Um, I love traditional styles. Love uh, Ross loves um, cask beer as well, but he's he's more of the uh, hoppier end of the scale when it comes to beers. So it just felt right that that's what we brew. So what was your journey before you started doing the, the brewing at Birdie Street before that? So you say that you're more on the traditional <laughs> side. How did you get to that <laughs> point where you thought this was a good idea? Uh, if you want to go way, way back, Go way, way back. Go um, on. Way, way, way back. So uh, I've got a PhD in chemistry. Um, people usually go, oh, that probably helps the brewing. And to be honest, not at all, because it's not the right area of chemistry. Um, and I went on a brewery tour to Black Sheep and absolutely loved it. <laughs> so that's my story of how I started drinking cask. Um, my dad always drank beer as well when I was little. And I'd have a sneaky sip here and there. Boddington's, I remember, in the early tins. Um, so yeah, I joined the Real Ale Society at university, was president there for a year, um, just joined camera, continued drinking beer. And then I had an opportunity when I left academia to work at this other brewery. Um, 
and yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> um, I think when you talk to some people about how, or most people, when they how they got into beer and brewing, they kind of fell in it. <laughs> it's not always the plan. I never set out to start a brewery at all. Uh, it's quite weird when I think about it. So, what was the the, the catalyst then to, to to you coming, as you say, coming out of academia and then suddenly finding yourself working in a brewery? Uh, purely chance there was a job I applied for it and I got it <laughs> um, I don't know I just I found quite a lot of bits of my life had just been good uh, where when job um, prospects weren't very good so like when I finished uni um, my undergraduate I didn't want to do a PhD but it was when when there just were no jobs so this one come up I applied for it I got it and the same for the postdoc that I did I was in Glasgow at the time when I applied for the brewing job back down here I was a student in Leeds and then I went back up to Glasgow to do a postdoc and it was just the same the same thing really um it's all been chance <laughs> I it's not like it's, there's no unfortunately there is no interesting story behind it it just that that's what happened there's nothing nothing wrong with that I mean I, I'm, <laughs> we're, we're genuinely curious about how you go from A to B to C sometimes yeah. and, but I you're mean, not wrong a lot of times there's Ross, no yeah. Ross, Ross Al Brewer is exactly the same so he's a trained cabinet maker and it just so happened that he was being made redundant and there was um he started working at Ridgeside when uh, um when it was under different owners Simon Balderson owned it at the time um absolutely fabulous man but unfortunately he died of a brain tumor um and, but that's how Ross learned to brew he he was working with Simon's wife at the time she said oh my husband's looking for some part-time help at the brewery Ross didn't even drink beer he was a lager he was a lager boy um so yeah uh, the whole of nomadic is just kind of chance really so I suppose that kind of fits into your ethos a little bit of the you know the nomadic <laughs> name you've, you've, you've got all these people that have just kind of ended up working well, this with is you it. yeah yeah we just we just kind of all ended up in the same place making beer and we're not quite sure how we got there <laughs> <laughs> And, and you said um, earlier that the your taproom used to only be once a month, but now yes. it's it's regular and, and 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 every every weekend is it that the taproom's yeah. open? Yeah. So we had to get our premises license to be able to do our online shop. So once again, it just made sense to apply for on sales as well as off sales. It's the same form that you fill out. It's just one more box you had to tick. Um, so we went from doing it once a month um on a semi-regular basis it's one of those things where you try and do it on the first Saturday of each month and then things crop up and you end up doing it on different Saturdays of each month um so yeah this is a lot more easy to follow we're open on Fridays and Saturdays <laughs> so and how important is the taproom to the business now in, in in terms of bringing people to the venue to to enjoy the range of beers but then also kind of keeping them there and keeping them coming back again um I'd say very uh i it's it's one of those things as well where it's just a great experience it's great having people come in drink the beer and they're sitting next to the fermenter that that beer was probably in um it's yeah we still get people coming in that haven't heard of us and they might be walking down so we obviously had we had north across the road from us so we used to have people wander across from there but now they've moved up to springwell we've still got people calling in because we're like the halfway point between springwell and and the city center um Unfortunately, we are just across that line, that invisible line that people say we're too far out of the city centre. And then when you tell them that we're a five minute walk from like uh, it's the Brunswick, which is one of the fantastic pubs in Leeds. 
they're like oh we thought you were further than that and it's no we're not at all we're about a 15 minute walk from the bus station and a 20 minute walk from the train station it's and it's mostly downhill as well in that direction so if you come to us first it's a more pleasurable <laughs> journey especially when you've got to walk uphill on the way from us yeah well, definitely i think that's a good tip <laughs> uh, that's the that's yeah. the route i would want to take is the downhill afterwards uh yeah no downhill first it doesn't downhill matter if walk, well. it doesn't no it doesn't matter if you're walking uphill when you've had a few beers mm. <laughs> mm. I, I suppose what I need to do is actually try it. Uh, and the yeah. next time I'm in Leeds is make sure I get up there <laughs> in the first place. Um so going back to what you saying about focusing, you know, on cask, mm-hmm. do you get people coming in and then are surprised that you're only selling cask? We do actually have some keg lines now. You do? <laughs> so yeah, we do do a bit of uh keg. So if it's something that we think will go well in keg, we might do five or six kegs out of a batch. Um so if you ever see our keg, it is just it is very rare um so to put that into perspective we usually get about 32 vessels out of a um out of a brew so say six of them are in keg and then maths 30 uh, 20 however many left uh, are in cask so yeah we do we do do a bit of keg and but, is that because you think the beer is well suited to that or because you know that people coming in like to see some keg options um a bit of both so we only do beers that we know will go well in keg um for example strider i think we've only ever done that in keg a few times when people have requested it that's our best bitter um although it's surprisingly it does work well on keg um and then the other beers tend to be the hoppier paler beers and maybe a stout and we just found as well that you've got venues that only sell kegs so like bottle shops that might have a few taps that they do growler fills from uh they can't take our casks so it just seems a bit silly to not be able to include those customers as well it's, it was really interesting to, to to hear you say that you know you might do a handful of kegs out, out of a single brew because that feels like it's the complete opposite to what most breweries do <laughs> most breweries would do oh we, we, we might do a couple of casks as specials i don't yeah. i don't think i've ever spoken to a brewer that said oh yeah we've, we've done a couple of kegs just as specials <laughs> i think our unique selling point is the fact that we are predominantly cask there isn't many breweries now in leeds that are predominantly cask um leeds brewery obviously still do a lot of cask um Horsworth brewery do a little bit anthology do a bit um kirk store do a bit but so yeah it's it's our unique selling point <laughs> can i just say having a, a pouch with a little tap close to <laughs> when you're sitting down is actually quite dangerous <laughs> i've just brought myself another pint <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's but it is a simple once uh, you'd given us our five second training before we started katie <laughs> Yeah, um, it's very, very, it's very robust. It feels very strong. It doesn't feel fiddly. No. And as I say, <clears throat> still no dripping, which I'm loving that, that, that fact. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, unfortunately, the only downside to them is that we can't reuse them, although they are recyclable. So if your recycling takes Tetra packs, you can throw them in or you can take them to wherever locally they, re- they re- um, recycle Tetra packs. OK, so you can't use them, but we don't no. have to throw them. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, that's good. That's, that is good to know because I would have asked would have asked that as well. So <laughs> no, that that is very useful to know. But I am really see. I didn't know what I was going to expect because I haven't had fresh that many fresh green hopped beers really across because you've got to be generally available to go somewhere to get them in yeah. a very short win, in a very small window. Yeah. Um. 
Now, obviously, it's obviously quite popular in the hop growing regions of, say, Kent and stuff. But what what's the what is the background? What's the what's the story about the green hopped beers? Is this something that's been done for decades, centuries, or is it undergoing a bit of a revival? Um, for Leeds, um, it's just the Leeds Cooperative, and there's another couple of breweries that do it with various other co- either cooperatives uh, like Horsforth make one with um, some people that also grow hops at gardens and allotments. To be honest, Lee's Cooperative asked us and I was like, yeah, why not? It's, not, <laughs> it's another one of those stories. I just thought it was sounding like a fun project. Um, I read up about it, what what it entails and it's just, there, there isn't anything fancy. You just pick the hops and put the hops in a brew. So we went for it. We did the first couple of brews um, when we were still at Burley Street as well. So it was on a smaller scale. And it's been quite nice because as the plants obviously get older, they get bigger, have better harvests. Um, so we've also grown up with them as well. So the kit, obviously we've got a bigger kit now. We've got an eight barrel kit at the new, I say new site, we've been there for three years. Um, and we get more hops from the hop growers now because the plants are at their prime five year age. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a fun project. So how many hop growers are involved and... How many oh. <laughs> hops do you need from them to make a brew viable? Very good question. Um, I can't remember how many people are in the Leeds Cooperative. Uh, it's a lady that, called Sharon that looks after that aspect. Um, we had 40 people donate hops this year. So that was across the two brews. Uh, quite a lot of people either just had the cascade pl- uh, plants that went into both, although predominantly GG, um, or they... There was um, also Prima Donna, so that's been a new hop variety that's been added this year. Um, that's commercially, it's called First Gold, but these are just dwarf plants, so they're better suited for smaller gardens and for growing in big pots, um, which is why we added it, because we had a few people that didn't have room to grow these cascade plants that can grow up to 10 foot tall. Um, uh, how much pops? So <laughs> the first year we brewed it, we got the grand total of eight kilos, so we had to top it up a little bit with dried hops um just to make sure that we had some flavor in there this year um which is our fourth year brewing for them uh we had 32 kilos of hops go into that gg um which is why it's got the the nice punch of hops that you've got and that's that's purely it's 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 upscaled like that because as you said the 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 plants have matured and, and as they mature they give a greater yield of yeah so commercially, I think it's usually five years before a hot plant is used commercially. Um, so the hops are now, full, I don't know, fully grown, should we say? Um, so they would be started to be harvested for actual brewing. And um, there's nothing wrong with the hops before this time. It's just that it's you get more from it. So it's more worth, I suppose it's financially viable to harvest them from their fifth year than it is the first four years. Um, but yeah, just pick them, throw them in. Generally, we pick and brew within 24 hours, so they're as fresh as possible. Um, with so many volunteers, it would be great if we could pick them on the same day that we brew them, but it just gives a chance for people who obviously got different lives, uh, children, jobs, etc., just to be, give them a chance to actually drop the hops off at the brewery. I've got, I've got visions of people, and, and you're probably going to tell me this is, this is how it goes. Uh, I've got visions of people just turning up with kind of carrier bags, <laughs> full of hops for you and say here you go here's your hops 
pretty much we prefer them if they come in something cardboardy or a paper bag but yeah that's pretty much it um people turn up with huge boxes of hops or a little paper bag where they might have only got 20 grams of hops um we really don't care how much they get off their plant if they want their hops to go in the brew hops go in the brew everyone's treated the same as well if you donate hops you get the same amount of beer it's not done on how big your harvest is or anything like that we just want people to be included um it's it's a fun project and i'm really glad that they got in contact with us four years ago and they're still going uh we've got more plans to do more with the with the group as well now so we're working with sharon about it being a bit more of a social group as well so at the moment we tend to just meet up twice a year wants to drop off the hops and wants to come and taste the beer uh, but we want to do different projects along with it now to take in cuttings from your plants how to propagate them meeting up with other green hop cooperatives around the uk so it's a it's a good project um and i'm hoping it's going to get bigger i i never realized that so much of this went on this this kind of local growing of of hops for for, for beer locally because I, th- I think that the, the only one that I've probably seen regularly o- over the years because adnams do uh, a, a similar yeah. project don't they that with their wild hop beer where they just basically people can bring any hops Whatever that they find and that just goes into the brew yeah. um and obviously that's a slightly different scale from what what you're working <laughs> on but it's it, it's it's great to see that you've got this this local group that have, have all grown the same hop so you actually know yeah. what the hop is as well so there's you don't have to try and identify it and work out what the characteristics are going to be in your beer you've, you've already got an idea and and i think the fact that we're drinking a pale ale that's basically hopped with cascade that's been grown in leeds it's yeah. brilliant it's it it's it's almost it's like the definition of a local beer isn't it it is definitely there are other projects around so i know there's one down in london um and it was them actually that suggested that we try prima donna because obviously in london space is a premium so you might not have a garden so there's a lot of their members who grow them in pots on balconies um and i know i think it's been new road does a lot of stuff over in manchester as well with uh locally grown hops um in leeds as well we're not the only ones that so horseworth brewery also do a project with people mainly in horseworth so yeah, there's, there's quite a few considering we're far from the hop fields down south. It's a great way of bringing everyone in though, isn't it? Because, you know, you, like you say, you may only see these people as a group once or twice a year, but the individuals in those groups will start to have an affinity and love for your brewery anyway. And the same for the other ones, the other breweries. So it's all part of that community, isn't it, again? And loyal customer base. Well, this is it. This is one thing. So... The brewery is not situated in anywhere that's like, there's no houses around us. We are in an industrial estate. It's a very industrial part of Leeds. And it's been really hard to be able to get that community aspect. Um, it's, it's what we want. We want to be part of the community, but it's not been as easy as just dropping some leaflets in the houses around and say, hey, come and see us on a Saturday. So this is one of the projects that's really helped us with that. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, like I say, hopefully on to bigger and better things as well with it. Quick question on the, obviously, I know plenty of beers I've had with Cascade in it in the parks. Is there characteristics which are different because the Cascade, which is grown over here, or even specifically in Leeds, to what you might get if you were getting a batch from the States, that kind of thing? Yeah, so hops, um, their characteristics also depend on the soil and the climate. So the US Cascade would be more grapefruity, more punchy, more citrusy. 
Um, whereas European and British hops tend to be more earthy, more peppery, um, more I don't savoury, I suppose is the right word. Um, but obviously because it's Cascade, it's still got that citrusy, grapefruity flavour in there. It's just not as pronounced as you would get from the hotter climates of other countries. Yeah, it's, it's a very subtle hit, but it's all there. <laughs> it's the, the characteristics there, yeah. you noted there are all there. In some ways, the English-grown version probably suits the cask beers anyway. Yeah. In that yeah. whole earthy, balanced, bitterness kind of way that we associate. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. I mean, we couldn't have be happier with this brew. It's absolutely fantastic. The, the, the Leeds Cascade <laughs> works really well on cask. Um, and we're really pleased with how the prima donnas worked out as well. So we hadn't we hadn't brewed with that before. Um, so yeah, that's worked. That is topped up with a little bit of cascade as well. Just just cause the prima donna plants, most of them are only a year old. So the harvests weren't great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worked well. We're proud of those beers. <laughs> well, it's it's a, it's a tasty <laughs> beer. I'm 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 really enjoying it. I mean, I'm in, I'm into my second pint of it already. <laughs> and you, you know, and I, I think that the, the conversation about the fact that it's the cascade hop I've, I've got to make the comparison because obviously cascade is predominantly in sierra nevada parallel mm -hmm. and I, I i imagine the characteristics between the leeds cascade and the and the west coast america cascade are very very different but <laughs> I, I i would love to literally do this side by side with a with a sierra nevada just just to see if you could pick out the characteristics of of, of, of the, the the hop because i imagine that the the, the dna is essentially the same as you as you say it, it all comes yeah. down to how and where the, the the hop is grown in terms of the characteristics but yeah. but yeah i mean it's um one thing it's... that i would like to do is maybe, maybe next year who knows if we've got time is to brew gg but with the dried us hops that we've got um just so we could, could compare and contrast um although that's a lot of cascade beer in one go there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that you could, you could have a you could have the keg version and the cask version, couldn't you? So four different beers then. So you got the green keg and cask, and then the dry hot keg and cask. That's yep. one. That's one tasting day, definitely. We're up for it. We're oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> sign me up. I'm, 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 to I'm totally interested in coming and doing should that. Put, <laughs> should I put this in my diary now? <laughs> yeah. Steve turns up with some Sierra Nevada, ready to do the taste test. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, th I think for, for me also, this is this is quite interesting because I've I've not had um, a lot of uh, green hopped or, or fresh hopped beers in the past, but the ones I have had, I've never really got on with them um i don't know what it is there's there's always been a slight characteristic about the beers that hasn't really sat well with me and and obviously that could be down to the brewery or down to the beer itself or or, or where, where i actually got that beer but but this one has actually changed my mind on on, on green hops beers because the the the, the flavors coming through it are just they're so bold everything about it is you you can pick out every single little characteristic mm -hmm. um that, that that's in there and and you know it, it just still blows my mind that <laughs> this this has been created by hops that have been grown in people's gardens in leeds it's yeah it, well, that's that's what we want to do as well we want to get people excited about green hop beers i mean you can only brew them once once a year um so yeah you should enjoy them definitely and i'm really glad it's changed your mind as well and that doesn't, it takes a while to do that with Steve, I can tell you. So, <laughs> well done, Katie. So, so 
and, and, and the other thing is, 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 is the phrasing and terminology, because we are using green hopped and fresh hopped t- tonight. But there's, mm-hmm. is, is that the same as wet hopped? beers is is it are they all the same thing um i think so i usually i try and say fresh hops because most hops are green even when they're dried they're still green um yeah although i think i've said green hops tonight as well i've not been very consistent um i don't know wet hops just doesn't sound very nice to me that sounds like what we, what we dig out of the copper after we've brewed <laughs> once they've been steeped but yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that the fresh hopped beers definitely have a better ring yeah yeah, I mean they well. are fresh as well. If you if you're gonna brew fresh, then you should call it fresh. It's exactly what it is on the tin. So and you, and you say that they were literally in the space of what 24 to 48 hours from being picked to, to going into your brew. 24 hours. So we opened the tap room at 12. The first people started probably arriving about two because they had a lot of hops to pick, and we were brewed or the brew had finished by half two the following day. So within 24 hours. Um, you can you can probably eat them out to 48 hours but you do find that you start losing a lot of the flavors they're not fresh anymore they've started to be dried out so it must be it must i'm just thinking it must be just a real thrill all these people turning up with the various ways of carrying the hops <laughs> uh, and... we had a we had a hot picking session as well so the people like me and mike have got a cascade plant in our back garden and we just didn't have enough time in the morning to pick the hops before we left so we just cut the hot plant down stuffed it in the back of the van and took it to the brewery with us and there was a few other people that did that as well so we were sitting it happened to be a nice weekend of weather as well so we sat outside um people joined us helped us pick our hops other people brought their binds down as well and sat and picked our hops with a beer um it was it was good fun so it sounds amazing i've I've just got i've I've just got this this picture of this tranquil environment where people are just sat there (laughs) picking hops uh i was uh, unfortunately our outside area is in the car park so i wouldn't call it tranquil but <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gave it a nicer vibe <laughs> it, does, it does sound it does sound lovely and it's, it's it's a nice story isn't it i mean it's um you're adding very local provenance to your beer here i mean mm-hmm. about, it's about as local as you can make this this beer yeah. um with help from the local community who then get to presumably the opportunity to be some of the first people to try it as well yeah so um Apart from you guys as well, the only people that got pouches last week were the people that um, donated hops. Uh, everyone was invited down on Saturday as well to come and try out the beers. We purposely didn't have them on tap on Friday just so everybody had the chance to come down and try them first time on Saturday. Uh, it's, yeah, it was a busy day on Saturday. A lot of okay, tap was so come down. Apologies to any people who listened and actually did some work <laughs> and then got to <laughs> taste the beer. Fair, you've... Um, that's been and gone though so you you actually you got your pouches first but you didn't drink the beer first so it's worked out all right <laughs> oh good i'm pleased i'm, I'm actually pleased about that to be honest i think yeah. <laughs> they've done the work they've embraced it they should always get to try it first always definitely yeah <laughs> and, and there's still some of these are still available now um yep yeah, it's Short selling supply, fast, though. Yeah. so i'm hoping that i've got a cask that i can put on at next week's tap room just in case anybody didn't try and co- didn't manage to come down um i need to talk to harriet about saving us another one tomorrow um Gigi's definitely selling really well because people people know that brew we've brewed it now for four years um i'm assuming duca is uh, Ducker is um selling just as well as well so yeah 
yeah, if you want one, get in quick. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, put, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, where you can buy it from. So if you do want to have a try of these beers, uh, why they are still fresh and why they are still available, um, click on that link and, and, and give them a go. I mean, we're, we're going to move on to the Ducker. In, 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 keep, in, yeah. in a moment yeah. <laughs> um which is so this is the fresh hot bitter that, that, that you did as, yes. as, as well so again from the same batch of cascade hops uh no so this is uh with the prima donna hop so this was prima donna yeah so because um first gold is a more traditional uk hop we wanted to brew a more traditional beer so we put it out to the hop growers whether they wanted to do it a bitter or a stout and the bitter one um only by a small margin but the bitter one so that's what we've got. I feel like we're going to be committing some form of blasphemy drinking Northern Bitter uh, without a sparkler. <laughs> without a sparkler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, but hopefully people will understand that quite right now there is just isn't quite the technology to have a sparkler attached to a pouch. Yeah. Please, we'll to, please, please forgive us. We'll have to talk to the, the pouch makers and see if they can sort something out for us. Yeah, because I, I, I said, I, I mean, the, the way this beer is tasting now, like I said, it's probably just a little bit too chilled. That's <laughs> down to me and Steve. Um, but the way their subtle flavours are coming out, I can only imagine how this will translate to actually a proper cast pour as well. So you get that fuller mouthfeel, softens it out, rounds it. Mm-hmm. But those flavours will all, I reckon it's got to be even more balanced all the way through it as well. Um, and still get the earthy bit of finish that Steve referenced earlier. So everything in the pouch, I just feel like it's going, going to be even better through the cast, like you say, at the tap room beside where it brewed as well. The, the, the other thing for, for me with this as well, and uh, Martin will know this and our, our listeners will probably know this as well, is that I absolutely um, not a fan of a gravity pour of, of cask which is, is essentially what we're getting here but mm-hmm. the fact that I'm approaching the end of my second pint um would suggest that there's something in this that's that, that's doing it for me good to hear definitely I mean I must admit I'm not I'm not a fan of gravity pours like I say cask is queen it needs a sparkler um but yeah it's unfortunately that's as good as you're going to get through the post no, I, I <laughs> it's good enough yeah, it's good but, enough uh, there's still, although it is a gravity pour, there's still there is still some residual life in the beer, and the actual flavours and aroma and finish all still keep you in mind of drinking a cast beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with Steve. I mean, I've gone to probably more gravity pour festivals than Steve, but it is the one thing that generally, in my experience, does let down some of the good cast beers that are available is the gravity end of the market when it's done like that and especially when it's been open to the uh oxygen and air getting in over maybe even just a couple of days but yeah i think this is superb for what you've done and i i love the fact that it is you can you can you can session a a pouch (laughs) which is not a phrase i ever thought it's pouchable (laughs) Um, yeah it's pouchable (laughs) I, i love that because i haven't got to take up half the fridge i haven't got to think about it um and I've got now because I've got I'm doing an online tasting the night after we're recording here. I'm thinking, hmm, I'm gonna have a bit of hot pale left and then hopefully a bit of hot bitter, but it's not taking up half the fridge to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. So no, uh firstly again, thank you for sending those ones through as well. And um 
some some of that background's been really fascinating actually i'm sort of smiling just thinking about all those people turning up with the hops yeah <laughs> i've just it, it's just it's got a real kind of a, a proper community feel about it hasn't it it's yeah it's fun watching the people that have come down to the tap room that don't realize what's going on as well we're watching all these people come down with these cardboard boxes and me weighing them and <laughs> giving some people some tokens and then they wander off again it's <laughs> it is a fun day <laughs> No, it does, it does sound good. And obviously, like you say, you had the weather as well. So that probably just made it all all the more special yep, for everyone. Especially definitely. after everything that's been going on, just for everyone to be able to come back, do that, chat to you, deliver the hops. Um, and, and and we get to this end product. It's yeah, like, like I said, it is making it's making me smile talking about it and thinking about it. They people also get an opportunity to come on the brew day as well. So um we weren't able to do that last year, obviously with covid restrictions so it was really nice having people back in the brewery again actually come down and brew and help us throw in the 32 kilos of hops into the uh into the copper because that, that takes a while <laughs> yeah but i bet you they enjoyed doing it though yeah yeah it's a real thrill i would imagine <laughs> doing that everything that people bought down went in so we had some people that bought about 10 kilos of hops because they've got three plants in what I can only assume is a massive back garden. Um, and then we had some people where they had, 20, I think 27 was the least we had this year, 27 grams um, in a little sandwich bag that they bought down. But everything goes in. Um, we saved some of the Cascade back as well for uh, the Ducker, just because we knew, like I said before, that the, the Prima Donna harvest wasn't going to be. But yeah, nothing is wasted. If, if they bought it down, it went in. Um, I don't quite know what we're going to do next year when there's going to be more plants that are five years old and at their peak harvest time because I think there's going to be more hop than uh, liquid in the in the kettle. But <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll deal with that when we come to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to rise to that particular challenge, Katie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to need need a bigger brew kit. <laughs> Before we move on to tasting the the, the, the ducker, let's just get some uh, final thoughts uh, from Martin and I on the. GG. I mean, obviously, I've already stated a number of times that I'm just <laughs> finishing my second pint of it. So clearly, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I, I think the, the characteristics that, that I mentioned at the start are, are all there for me. There's that wonderful earthy bitterness that, that, that you get towards the finish of it. That's just laced with some beautiful citrus notes, some, 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 some fruity hints in there. It, it's, it's, it's just an absolute delight to drink um martin what, what what about yourself can't disagree with that i just i you know it has got the casket and it was bugging me and i don't know why i didn't think about it considering our love our mutual love for it it is it's almost like if sierra nevada was inspired by other beers we've now then decided to pay homage to sierra nevada pale ale in cast format then this ticks that box wow this is okay. our version of it um <laughs> Like I said, I, if me and Steve are both enjoying cask gravity pours from a pouch, I reckon you're probably pretty guaranteed that if this was a, a keg and or cask or cask and or keg version, we'd be lapping it up. And um, I probably still would definitely prefer to walk down the hill than the, uh, <laughs> the walk up the hill as we leave. But it's, it's, it's a, we don't think we mentioned it. It's four and a half percent. It's a nice little strength as well, isn't it? It's in yeah. a sessionable range. Yeah, um, so the, the um, malt recipe is the same for all of our single hop beers. So if you ever see them about as well, it's just it's that recipe with the different hops thrown in. Um, which So we knew that the hop base was going to work as well. It's not 
like it's the recipe that's been tweaked over four or five years now so oh so your 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 base your spine <laughs> of the beer is well long established anyway yeah yeah definitely yep yeah, i'm really enjoying it. i think steve's pouring more <laughs> no i've just i've just poured the oh, um, no, that's, that's darker the, yeah, yeah. The other one. yeah i've just poured the the, the, the ducker to give that a go I, th- I think it's great I, I, you did mention this earlier on that as, as as the beer pours obviously the liquid comes out the air comes out and the pouch mm-hmm. it 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 shrinks shrinks it, contracts yeah yeah that's that's the word contracts i think it seems so simple but like i said it's just look oh this looks nice isn't it yeah um yeah no that's um I, like i said i think the ingenious solution that you decided to come up with versus other ones. I know some of that is circumstance, but still this works in both terms of packaging, but also the recycling aspect afterwards and the getting rid of it. So yeah, yeah, hats off. Thank you. It's one thing that we try hard to do and that's make sure that our products are either reusable or recyclable. So yeah, unfortunately I'd love to be able to reuse them, but once the tap is in there, it is very much in there. (laughs) Um, So yeah. Recyclable is definitely the way forward at the moment. Oh, well, yeah, I think there's uh, <laughs> plenty of people would agree with that and definitely uh, a lot of our listeners as well. So definitely. Are we um, are we diving into this second one then, Steve? Let's get into this. And while we're drinking it, Katie can tell us about the origins of the name. So once again, uh, Lee's Cooperative came up with the name. So Gigi is after our old delivery van that sadly uh, went to the scrapyard last year. Um She's she was the green she's the green goddess and because it was a green fresh hot beer they chose Gigi as the name, um, and then Ducker <laughs> because we use prima donna hops, um, Ducker means Dolly in Icelandic, um, and Dolly Parton is my personal favourite prima donna. <laughs> I, I would never have got to that particular <laughs> no. thing at all on my own. I could have spent no, a long time um, with that. <laughs> quite a lot of our I really should put a, a page on our website explaining some of our names because there is some good stories behind them but yeah uh so that yeah Ducker was chosen by I think that was Christine Joplin from Delia's Cooperative who also did their logo as well so um but yeah that's that's where that comes from excellent and no can you not put the stories on because if we do come to record <laughs> next year we'll have some of those so <laughs> okay we'll have none of that's those fine. on the website going on please <laughs> that's fine what do you think of it Steve it's again it's, it's really tasty it's, uh, sadly it's probably still a little bit too cold um yeah. took took this one out of the fridge way too late to to, to allow it to come up to room temperature that's, that is um, definitely our, that's definitely on us yes um however saying that as, as i was approaching the second pint of the gg that was beginning to, to to come up a little bit more so i'm 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 hopeful that this one will come up um yeah i mean it's it's just it, it's almost a quintessential english bitter is, is yeah. isn't it <laughs> it's exactly what we were aiming for um just a a standard traditional bitter no mess it is it is what it is um easy drinking it's only 3.8 percent not overpowered yeah it comes across like that completely katie um yeah yeah it's it is an english bitter um yeah. it just happens to be <laughs> like you say fresh hopped yeah. Um, it's got lovely sort of fruity, earthy qualities, but you've definitely got that sort of malty, caramel, biscuity undertones to it. Mm-hmm. And again, finishes off as 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 the name would suggest, but doesn't always happen, with a bit of bitterness as well. Bitterness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes it's, one... it's forgotten in the word bitter. Mm. Uh, I know. It's one of my bugbears 
it seemed to happen quite a lot over lockdown last year when you got bitters in cans and you tried them and it was just a pale ale and it was heartbreaking um because like as i say i love cask and for me the more traditional the style the better so i love bitters milds so yeah it needs it needs to be an actual bitter for it to work especially being from yorkshire as well <laughs> <laughs> definitely agree definitely agree but yeah really enjoying that no I, i'm i'm enjoying that as well and uh, again to coin coin a phrase you've already used mate it's absolutely pouchable um <laughs> you could really go through this pouch in no time on, Can I use that as a one. testimony testimony on our website? Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> best best attribute it to Martin though, because it was him that said it first. So. Fantastic. <laughs> well, while we're enjoying the Ducker, um, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 which was uh, again all about the, the the fresh hops and it's should the uk celebrate its fresh hop harvest beer heritage more than it actually does so we had 489 votes on this 91 percent of people said yes nine percent of people said no and some of the comments that we had on this one this week first up from fpl david voted no not because i'm against it in any way but just to add a little balance it's fine for some of our traditions to have a little less traction than something like oktoberfest don't need to be in constant comparison or competition it is what it is and i'm cool with that and then from mark johnson it is celebrated already by some corners of the industry and that's fine trying to scale it up so we can have extra festivals and extra work available to journalists and festival planners feels forced if the interest was there it would exist already we're good. From Rob Edwards, our beer heritage certainly deserves to be celebrated more than it is. It is UK beer and traditions that inspired some of the most revered brewers in the US. So why don't we make more of a hoopla about our unique heritage? From Can I Get a Pee? I quite like that it's celebrated in UK hop grain regions, which is where I feel like it should be found more commonly. Lebri Ales are brewing a, a beer for every grower and field. Dark Star's Green Hop was something I saw a lot of people get excited for when it was available. From an environmental level, it really doesn't stack up to rapidly try to ship hops cross-country for a time-sensitive product. Keep it closer for production, but I'd happily stock more bottles if available. From Alex Jewell at Alex Broadstairs, experiencing my first green hop fortnight in East Kent, loving the pride and energy, but the brewing scene, both traditional and new down here, feels a far cry from the rest of the UK. More regional celebration of heritage would be great, but it doesn't need to be fresh hop related from beyond the pal at ian sutton 12 yes very underrated as everyone seems preoccupied with the justified quality of the u.s hops we've been accustomed to there's some amazing high quality beers coming out built on just uk hops and it's always great to see the growing number of green hop beers each year sophie so beer blogger yes it'd be great to revive some traditional celebrations for the uk hop harvest I think it would help people engage with more beer knowing about the ingredients used. It would be great to quash some preconceptions about British hops as well as celebrate our new varietals. And from David Mann at Dave1D Mann. Thank you for that. Never, ever read that one out again. <laughs> <laughs> we sadly tend to shun our beer traditions in general. Not sure whether it's industry or consumer driven. Let's say you ran a green hop Brits beer festival entirely UK styles and hops on the same days in New England IPA Festival. Which one makes the most noise? Which one do you people go to? From James at Gammon Baron, 
in Leeds, we're a bit far away from the traditional hop growing counties. Hasn't stopped a couple of cooperatives springing up recently, allowing a couple of local breweries to serve green hopped beers in cask with sparklers. Thanks for making that final point, James. <laughs> <laughs> really ramming that home. <laughs> and then finally, from Rob Zilla at Rob Many Handles, um, side thought. Green hopping uses more hops than dried pellet hopping, I believe. If more green hopped beers would occur, would this limit the amount of hops available and or affect the prices? Um, is, it, is that the case, Katie? Um, yes, I think it's about three times as much if you're using the green hop beers, but that is also because you've got more weight to the plant because they've not been dried. Um, so obviously you've got more water content uh pellets as well you've got even less plant material because it's been crushed and pelletized so that's an interesting one that's got my brain ticking over now <laughs> um yeah they're heavier because they've got water content in them they've not been dried out so i don't think i don't think it would mean that you'd have less harvest that's that got katie sense. thinking yeah while, while, while <laughs> katie's pondering rob zilla's question um what, what's what's your thought steve it's it's interesting because there's there's been there's been a lot of chatter uh, about this this year, in in particular in and in particular there was um, uh, a tweet from Matt Curtis about this this very subject that had a lot of people talking about it and, and we'll in, we'll include a link in the show notes to to, to that as as well, um, but but yeah I think it's it's interesting in terms of how the awareness around fresh hops and this time of year and that this is the time of year that you can only really do the thing you do. And I think we were um, both on the most recent Utopian um, lager launch last week. And they, Rich was very, very clear in terms of they didn't want to call it an Oktoberfest beer, they wanted to call it essentially a harvest festival beer because it was celebrating the harvest in the UK rather than in anywhere else. So I, th- I think there is there is potential for us to maybe recognise it a little bit more, but I, I would also lean towards some of those comments that were saying, let's not create more events just for the sake of creating them. However, maybe we could do maybe we could do more instead of celebrating Oktoberfest, we could celebrate the UK hop harvest uh, at, at this time of year rather than going down the, the, the lines of doing the, the, the faux Oktoberfest celebrations that we see all over the country. Which, let's face it, some of those Oktoberfests can be rather disappointing. Uh, having well. lived through one firsthand a couple of years ago, more than disappointing would be the, the phrase that I would use, yeah. Yeah, I've sort of turned, maybe not 360, but 180, because uh, unlike you, Steve, you can't vote on the poll, but I do, usually. Um, and I did go, yes. And then I thought, once I started reading the comments, I started thinking about it. Some of it is, do we need to? Because if we take normal times if anyone has any recollection of those those times gone by um obviously you know we celebrate our beer heritage quite a lot through um the medium of Canberra, for example and the real and the and and the decent amount of real pubs we've got um 
the fresh hop harvest probably wouldn't translate in the same way because you've probably received them, Steve, uh, for any of the places you've signed up for emails in the past or forgot you'd signed up about getting Oktoberfest beers in. So these lagers can be bottled and transported a lot easier than even what we're drinking today because, you know, the pouches are quite hard to, as you know, they're, they're damageable for one yeah. of the better phrase. And maybe it is about more that understated nature of the English and British culture as well that it just sort of happens sometimes you know they're working with the people locally just to bring in the hops get it all done produce this beer let's share it with these people first of all and then we'll sell the rest tap room pubs that kind of stuff yeah i would say it's probably gained a bit of traction and i think for generations gone by the whole hop picking experience where essentially was a the equivalent of a summer holiday for people going down to Kent and things like that. I think that lives long in people's memories and there's still plenty of footage of that and people talk about it. There was a bit on um, Country File recently where they were talking to someone who could still remember going down there, but the last time she did it was still in the early 60s where they'd literally gone down to stay for a couple of weeks. So there's obviously a lot of um, nostalgia around that element of it. So, yeah, I think I'm... I quite like the understated, the local aspect. You know, we're lucky. We've got the chance to talk to Katie today to hear the story about how their ones have come to pass. You know, we've heard them, we've heard Adams talking about their wild hop beers and how that comes as well. So I've got no doubt there's lots of little stories in little pockets of places. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's just the way it should be. But maybe that actually works. Maybe it's more about we don't sing about the the beer heritage as a whole enough um, a lot of the time. Uh, we definitely go for the hype. but So I reckon you probably get a little bit of that excitement elsewhere, but we're so used to the cask beer scene um, and especially people who are beer lovers and follow it. But yeah, I'm quite happy perhaps in, in where I've ended up, but it's local, it's community. People are just enjoying it. They go ahead, they do it. And we don't necessarily make a song and dance about it. I mean, I know that Steve, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't, you would definitely not be going to the New England IPA Festival versus <laughs> the Green Hop Cask Beer Festival, anyway. So you're, no. you're definitely in the right in the uh, in the cask camp on that one. Uh, absolutely, I'd, I would I would even take a Gravity Festival over a New England <laughs> IPA festival. <laughs> uh, you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> I think that's one like it's the local aspect of it as well, though. So the only reason that we're doing this is because we have got hop growers in Leeds. If we didn't have the Leeds Cooperative, we wouldn't be doing a Green Hop Beer because they're only available in one relatively small area of the UK. It's not like we could just... I mean, Farrams and you know, the hop um, merchants, they do sell green hop beers, but it is the freshness. We we picked and the hops were brewed with within 24 hours. I mean, especially at the moment with um, issues with delivery drivers this year, we just couldn't guarantee that if you were ordering in, in from somewhere else. Also takes a little bit away from it wouldn't it as well or say well in my head it would take something away from it if you're not doing it local within that 24-hour period all those elements that you already described so well that had me and Steve smiling Katie seems to me that really is what the sum of the parts that creates that beer ultimately you still yeah. want the beer to taste nice but that story behind it and everything else just adds another layer 
to it all rather than you saying well actually we're in Leeds we really fancied it but what we did is we got these shipped overnight <laughs> from Kent yeah. and I'd be going all right, right. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it'd be quite the same yeah oh because when I first read that I, th- I think I, I didn't I did vote on it and I think I ticked yes but the more I think about it it, it needs a depends <laughs> um because I think if you, I know, I know. No, we can't do that. We can't yeah. have a third option. We specifically um, don't do that because otherwise everyone, everyone yeah, just goes for the easy like, third option. I think, it, I personally think it should be celebrated, but only if it's something that you can do. Oh, it sounds, only if it's something you can do easily, which trying to organise 30 volunteers is not easy. <laughs> um, but like you say, we also didn't ship them overnight from, the hops not the volunteers um from somewhere down south like it's i think if you've got the opportunity and if you're say a brewer somewhere else i don't know liverpool newcastle wherever small town wherever in the uk that wants to do a green hop beer start your own cooperative get involved do it that way rather than trying like um martin was saying getting them shipped from wherever they are in the uk um so yeah yes and no from me sorry (laughs) I, th- I think the one thing I will say is is that I've I've seen more chatter and discussion about it this year than ever before. So that th- there seems to be a lot more people talking about it on Twitter and in, in terms of fresh hot beers and you, you know where to get them and all of the small events that do go on and yeah the majority of of, of which down in 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 Kent and surrounding areas but I I think just that in itself I I suppose the more people talk about it and and the more people elevate the 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 stories like you've got here Katie of you you know the local volunteers coming together and you brew a beer within 24 hours of hops being picked you, you know the more of that sort of thing that we hear about then the more we're yeah. actually I mean, able I to celebrate I mean, I must admit, when it. I first saw um, Matthew Curtis's tweet, I felt very frustrated because we've been doing this for four years. It's not it's not new for us. And it's just one of those things that because we are this small brewery that even some people in Leeds don't know about, it just feels like sometimes you're shouting into the void. But you do these really cool projects and people just don't know that they're there. So the fact that people are talking about it and it just gives smaller breweries who do this kind of thing a chance to actually go, hey, guys, look, we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> um it's yeah it's been fun talking to people about it as well i'd rather hear about a hundred nomadics doing their smaller projects and find out there was one or two big ones doing these massive and then maybe a massive mm-hmm. festival or launch and stuff and I, I probably won't even ever hear about all of them because you know smaller places either they don't yeah. touch the signs on social media or that's just not their mo um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I definitely, let's assume I can't have the depends option because Steve, Steve and I have said no. Um, I would probably switch that to no now. Having having thought about it and spoken about it, it would be more about, it's happening organically. Like Steve said, I've actually seen more about it this year as well. So there is, there is a, a bit of a growth and a bit of a movement. And I think there's also starting, people are starting to talk about what can either British hops or British iterations of other countries' hops bring bring to the market now. You know, what what is it that they do a little bit differently? And what do they add? And they are still so well-suited, hops grown over here, mm-hmm. to our traditional cast beer scene. You know, that, that's what, they work so well together. 
but there are more exciting British hops coming through as well. So this yeah. is another thing that really frustrates me. British hops aren't boring anymore. We've just recently done um, two single hop brews with two British hops to see how, how they stand up. So we did Jester and Olacana, who I think they're cousins when you look at the hop family tree. Um, descended from Cascade, I think, again. I don't think I'm wrong on that. Um, but, I mean, you had to use a little bit more to get the, the proper punchiness of a an American beer, but they weren't far off on their own. Like Jester, all I got was lemon and lime coming through. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and Olicana as well. It was more orangey, lemony flavour. But there were definitely the citrus, the citrus punch that people want from their American hops. Um, so yeah, don't don't put UK hops down. <laughs> there there's some really good varieties coming out now and i think some people just they just need to feel more excited about what they can get locally as well i mean i, I understand the american hot thing as well i cascade is one of my favorites and obviously we, we brew with it it's in one of our core range beers but yeah it's just uk hops just need a chance there's a couple of points there from from what you've both said and i'll, I'll pick up on the uk hops one first and Martin, I'm guessing you know where I'm going to go with this in, <laughs> yep. in, in, in terms of, um, I've already mentioned Utopian once, but I'm, I'm banging the drum again. Um, when, when we found out that their black lager, their Chernay Speciality, <laughs> was brewed with 100% Fuggles, both Martin and I were like, nah. <laughs> no <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> I was prepared to challenge them on it. <laughs> yeah. And... I, I think I think just that you, you, you know you've got a lot of breweries now that are only using UK ingredients, mm-hmm. and they are beginning to champion UK hops as well. And I've I've heard a lot of talk recently. Um, there's there's a lot of love for Jester in particular mm. at the moment. There are a lot of people loving that hop, and you know I think again it still blows my mind that you've got you've got Cascade in a beer that's been grown in Leeds. <laughs> I don't know why I'm finding that so amusing. I just, <laughs> I just, I just really am. But I, I, I do think it's good, though, Steve. That you know, uh, whether it be other companies or even just our, you know, the more traditional set that are doing it. But either way, it's it's reminding people that it's not just the hops; it's how you use them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some hops have got maybe a a poorer reputation than others because of some of maybe the blandish type beers have ended up in or how those beers have now evolved into or devolved into depending on your, your point of view <laughs> i think that's exactly it I just yeah you need you need to give i don't know it'd be really good if some of the more popular bigger breweries that specialize in ipas neepers dippers your tippers maybe if they started using british hops just to show that you can still make these really juicy punchy beers it would yeah unfortunately that's not us but (laughs) but you know again you're still I mean I think you're right right about Jester I mean I I think first time I came across Jester was probably in Adnams beer Mm -hmm. I think when I first discovered it but it does it does so much of the same job but like I said I think because again how it's grown where it's grown in the climate and sort of it's growing grown in it just produces something a little bit different and that's good but that's no different to to grapes in wine you know, they start out in some of like the old world and they've gone out to either the West Coast of America or they've gone to Australia and New Zealand and they've become something different again. Yeah. You know, doesn't yeah. make the originals bad and doesn't make the new versions the better ones. There's 
you can live, you can coexist. It just brings something different to the table. And there's no reason why that can't happen in, in the beer world. I think it's just that, certainly for me, I was like, I had, I had a predisposition, like if I found out a beer was just fuggles, <laughs> even lo- long before the utopian experience, like, okay, it's, it's twigs. Here we go. <laughs> and I, I was down on it. Here's, here's a butchering of a word coming up for you. It's terra. Terra, isn't it? Isn't it the, the the concept of where something is grown yes. and, and and the impact yeah. of the the soil and the sun and everything has on the flavour of the thing that is grown in that particular place. Yeah, very much so. And that, like I said, that's and that's but the wine world has gone past it. And for a lot, well, I think you've probably still got some snobby attitudes in the wine world. The classic great varieties and the classic grown, uh, say, grown in France and Italy versus the spread out. Uh, America, South and Central America, Australia, New Zealand. But for me, you can still have them all working as long as it's producing a good outcome. I said, but I think what happened over here is we just used them. A lot of breweries, especially maybe some of the the bigger regional ones, were just using them. They weren't creating something special that you could then fall in love with. They just used it. Here's the the hops that we've always used. This is a, a bit of a, it ticks the boxes, people buy it. We don't need to try really hard now. We'll just put mm-hmm. this in. But, you know, when you get creative, like you have with Cascade, growing in leads. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does bring me back to the second point that I wanted to make, which was you, you talking about changing your vote there, mate. And I, I think maybe some of this, we, we need to allow it to be celebrated, but we need to have that regionality to it so you, you, you know if, if if kent wants to have a two-week green wet fresh hop festival then good on them because that's that's where that's where the majority of this stuff is grown in the uk and mm-hmm. and, and they can produce those beers and they can have them on in pubs within a certain period of time while they're still tasting great you, you know we've, we've mentioned already about how it's not viable really to transport this product all over the UK to try and have it used as fresh as possible. So I think it's a case of almost it's, it's, it's celebrating that provenance as, as well, which I think Kent does really well. They do, they do celebrate the green hot beers at this time of the year. Um, and I, I think that's a great thing. And if it only happens in Kent, then that's, that's okay because that's where, that, that's where this stuff is grown. Leeds. And and leaves, obviously, yeah, yeah. Well, it's grown in it's grown in back gardens up and down the country. Apparently, it would seem. I, I, I think I think it's right. And, and in I remember a few years ago, there was a whole discussion going on about regionality was starting to fall away from the beer scene, especially in the UK. We'd become a bit more um, one country in respect of the styles didn't matter so much, and people were saying, "Yeah, but I, lo- I used to love going into a local pub and finding." a beer that was brewed only just around the corner and I could never get it somewhere else. Um, and we were sort of disappearing from that. So there's, there's an element of this as well, that regionality for it. Once you start to know a little bit about it, you know, I've got no doubt. I don't know. I don't follow enough, but I've got no doubt in the, in the cider growing counties of the, of the country in the, in the Southwest, they will have their own festivals. You know, that'll be a very regional aspect for that as well. So I think that regionality, maybe there's an element of that sort of creeping back in as well. And that's another way that you celebrate it without directly saying it. So I think, like I said, I think it's really good. I think we just, it's it's how we champion either the regionality or champion whatever the time is you're doing it. A bit like 
you know, there are, you know, Canberra does their month of mild in May, but not everywhere brews good mild, to be honest, and doesn't always serve it in the best way possible. So, you know, there's plenty of reasons why certain areas probably shouldn't bother celebrating it. But there are some regions, you know, that are very famous for the mild style. So, yes, get on it. If you can if you can brew it and you can do it really well, you want to celebrate it, then celebrate it then. So, I think there's lots of opportunities to celebrate UK beer heritage. And I think the Fresh Hop is just another one of those as well. Yeah, you're starting to make me want to change it to no as well now. <laughs> I'm just thinking, <laughs> it's like when breweries are trying to bring back cask, it's like cask has never disappeared and maybe that that's what we're trying to do with the green hop things now. It's trying to bring them back, but actually it's always been there in Kent. And, uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the other big farm? I think that's in Herefordshire as well, which is, I found yeah. it um, But they are the biggest hot producing is it uk or europe i can't remember which way around U- uk anyway mm-hmm. and um i'm sure they do something yeah why, and why wouldn't you as well so you know celebrate it go with it i'm now but i'm starting to learn a little bit more about what it all entails and it's just added another layer to it and on the second pour of the ducker and um it's a lot it's the second pour is even feeling drier as well Started to suck, suck the moisture out of the mouth. It just makes you want to come back for a bit more. So cunning brew that one. <laughs> yeah, we're good at them. <laughs> well, there were loads of great responses to this week's question. Thanks to everybody that got involved. The question will be in the show notes with a link through to where you can see all the responses that came through. If you still want to get involved in this particular poll, you can use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in Lingerness. Write it down. From Johnny Beerboy. Enjoyed the show on the way into work this morning. I'll be joining my wife in a solidarity alcohol-free January, so we'll seek out these breweries to give me my hop hit. Also, we'll hopefully do the Sturchley Beer Mile in a few weeks' time for the first time in two years. Hashtag research. From Robzilla. Short but action-packed show. May need another listen. Great to hear your beer launch party went well. But is it wrong that I hope Brew York beer aged some red dancing in barrels and make them <clears throat> red dancing and woody? Oh. Uh, Rob, the conversation has started in a roundabout kind of way. Interesting you say that, actually, because I sat in on the Brew York live tasting on Friday night that they did that featured, oh, yeah, featured our beer. It was really good, actually, and it was great to see the... Uh, universal love for red dancing should, should i say but lee was adamant that he will um never age an ipa actually no it might have been wayne who was adamant that one of them were adamant that they would never age an ipa um because they see it as uh, a loss of investment because they pay all this money for hops for them to go into the beer fresh for you to get the most out of that product and then why would you put them in a barrel to kill all the characteristics of that expensive part Ooh, of that the brewing process? I fully agree in, with that, yeah. <laughs> why would, in why that would case, then, that? there's only one option. To satisfy Robzilla, there'll have to be an Imperial version one day. That's the discussion <laughs> that's happening. <laughs> an, an Imperial Red Danson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bring it on. Um, from Michael and Mick McGrawty, really enjoyed the latest show. So much so that I went out and picked up a few alcohol-free beers to drink tonight. 
there was a a lot of um love for the fact that we did alcohol free uh, again on on the last show and again from our, our, our next contributor uh, alcohol free beer explorer said just been listening to the beer o'clock show great to hear what they think of alcohol free beers and the way they have improved and grown over the last few years it's great to see podcasts like yours giving it the time more and more breweries seem to be getting on board as well and including an alcohol free option in their range and then finally, from Simple Things at Simple Things Fermentations, caught up on some vital beer o'clock show listening while delivering today. So good to hear Johnny and Matt championing cask and variety in beer and brewing in general. I love the word vital. Yeah, vital <laughs> listening. <laughs> that's that's what we are now. <laughs> vital listening. And as ever, love love getting the, the comments back. But you're right, Steve, actually. The, um, the alcohol-free did really generate quite a bit of love and interest and i think again we were both just surprised that the the beers are coming out in that in that realm so and and always happy if people find other ones we have never spoken about and let us know about them as well yeah i don't think that will be our last alcohol free show i think it's unlikely there's just so much of it coming out and it is a it is a growing bit of the market yeah, it's, it's becoming a regular sort of staple almost in, in, in our annual output now is, is, <laughs> is, 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 is to do an alcohol-free show. Uh, I, look, maybe we should just do the next one after the summer session next year because that might be quite handy. <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> um, I've just poured myself another Dukkha. Um, really enjoying it. Um, that bitterness, uh, that earthy bitterness is really working for me in, in, in this beer. Um, Fantastic. It, it just it just makes me long for it through a sparkler, though. <laughs> this this with a lovely tight creamy head and that lacing all the way down the glass would just be oh so good. <laughs> well, you know, probably be on at the brewery tap room next weekend. You should come hop on a train, come see us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I imagine um, we, we can probably get James to go and drink that for us, and we can live vicariously <laughs> through his tweets about how, yeah, about how enjoyable it is. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be true. the first time. At <laughs> hey, um, what's what's next for, for for Nomadic? Now you're open and you're back up and uh, and running again. Where where do you take the where do you take the brewery now? Um, to be honest, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't particularly want to get much bigger. Um, quite happy with the size of brewery that we are. It would be nice to have another couple of staff, so a dry person and a brewery assistant, and maybe another couple of fermenters. Um, just to get production up just a little bit more to help pay for the new stuff. Um, but yeah, um, no great aspirations, to be honest. I, I like what we do now. Um, I don't want to become a 40-barrel brewery, so <laughs> um, maybe a canning line. That would be nice. You have, you have started canning, haven't you? Uh, yeah, we did some cans at the beginning of the year with the help of Horsforth Brewery, so we brewed and used their canning machine. And we have got some plans. Um, oh, this this is news. We haven't told anyone this. Uh, so we have got some plans of maybe doing another couple of batches in January when things are a bit quieter for breweries um, with Horsforth again. So going over, brewing on their kit, using their can line. Um, but yeah, to be honest, the last <laughs> the last six months has all been about getting a new van. So our delivery van, um, the head gasket went last September. So we've been without a delivery van for quite a while. So we ran a crowdfunding campaign earlier in the year and we picked up the new van on monday last week 
So everything has been aiming to get to that. And now that's done. I've got a bit of breathing space to think about more exciting projects and just trying to get our beer delivered. So when you say exciting projects, though, I mean, what, would, what would you like to do? Even if you can't do it just yet, is there anything you'd really love to do? Barrel aging. <laughs> love but, but to do barrel aging. But not IPAs. <laughs> and to be honest with you, not in whiskey barrels as well. I've, I've never found a whiskey that I've liked. I've tried. I lived in Scotland for three years. And I know there's probably a lot of people shouting at their um, listening devices right now, but I'm just not a whiskey person. And it really upsets me when some brewers make these absolutely fantastic beers, especially these really deep, rich stouts, and then they stick them in a whiskey barrel. <laughs> um, so looking more into different different types of barrels that you can get. I mean, wine barrels, rum barrels, sherry barrels, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, 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 so by whiskey, do you, by extension, do you also um, include bourbon barrels in yeah. that as well yes whiskey so. with and without an e <laughs> oh, okay um, yeah so all variations yeah or this, just, this side and the other side of the atlantic yeah i just i've tried i've really tried to enjoy it and i get that i probably just haven't found the one for me yet because it's like beer there is so much variety but there's just something in the flavor that i just don't like um i love anything that's been in a bourbon barrel i, I, think, no. I think the characteristics <laughs> that uh, a, a bourbon barrel gives to a beer oh it's, it's, oh, no. it's just a delight for me i went on a rum tasting a couple of weeks ago and the only rum that i really didn't like was the one that had been aged for the longest in a whiskey barrel it's <laughs> like ah <laughs> so I've, yeah. like, I've even tried to disguise it with another spirit and it's still it's still not working for me well you, you, nothing if not consistent then but i think it's if it's something it's not for you and we've spoken about it before steve you will often you'll often pick out that component part that is the mm. thing that you don't like I mean, I think um, some of those darker beers and red wine barrels, I yes. think, come out exquisite yes. because God, yeah. the, the the red wine has been in there a few times. It's a bit mixed with the woods. It, I think it's a lot. I, I know exactly what you're saying because even as a, a whiskey drinker, and I do, I actually really do like whiskey. I think sometimes it detracts rather than adds because yeah. it's a very powerful, very harsh flavor, flavor. Aroma. yeah. Um, whereas something uh, a bit more softer from like a red wine barrel or even a, a, a red port or something like that, I mean, yes. just permeates really nicely over a period of time and you get something which is different and can be better. Yeah. Um, I, I know what Steve said about the bourbon. I think bourbon, I think actually is a little bit softer than some of the whiskeys over over here the, or, or without the E. They can be quite harsh at times. You really do need to love them. Um, whereas I think bourbon is a bit more rounded, so I, I know where Steve's coming from. But yeah, the red port wine, go for it. What yeah, would you put in there? Out of curiosity, what would be the the style? Um, we're pretty good at making a stout, even if I do say so myself. So something we've not really done um, like stronger stouts. I think the strongest that we've done has only been around about five and a half, maybe six percent. So something a bit stronger for our stout in there. Um, we've also done a, a dark mild and a wee heavy that I would love to barrel age. Um, wee we, heavy. A wee heavy. Well, yes. it ten <laughs> technically, it's oh. a wee wee heavy because it's only six point eight percent. It's not. It's not quite up there with the wee heavies. <laughs> um, but we we brewed that two years ago this November, and we have one cask left. Um, so we've been <laughs> aging it in steel. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um, it's, just been sat, it's just been sat in our cold store along with um, a dark mild that we also did and a strong bitter. So 
they've just been I mean that's another thing that lockdown was fantastic for is seeing how beers age <laughs> um so to be honest if it hadn't been for COVID I probably wouldn't have kept these three casks in the corner but they're, they're tasting better and better each time but we've got the ones left now so I'd love to brew them again and do some proper barrel aging rather than off the cuff barrel aging do you have the space for the because I know that the barrels are the, obviously take up space doing nothing not earning you anything <laughs> Um, we can find space, definitely. It just might mean that our tap room gets a bit smaller with the seating area. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, you know, if you do, let us know. Because, I mean, I think, that, I think that would be really, really, again, it's a local brewery, very much focused on traditional styles, but then still getting on board with doing something different as well. So, you know, and shout about it. We'll we help will, you shout worry. about it as well. <laughs> Thank you. We will. We're, we're good at shouting on social media now. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll look forward to that very much so I, I, I really will um what we'll do katie is we'll put links in the show notes to where people can find out about nomadic where they can follow you on socials and where they can order your beers uh in pouches to drink at home and, and enjoy that cask experience at home even without the sparkler um still tasting great they they, they, they really are so martin what's going on next week <laughs> Right at the moment, Katie, um, you'll be excited to know that it's Steve, me, beer, and currently no idea what else we're talking about. That is what the next show is going to be, listeners. So um, it's a bit of a surprise, not only to you, but to us. But to us as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Martin loves it when it's when it's a surprise. And uh, our listeners will probably be wondering why Katie had to do the segue there, and it's because I couldn't <laughs> find the words. And, and uh, she did a fantastic job. So if if we ever went down the route of having a third co-host, I think at the moment Katie's probably out, out and out leading in that, in, in that category. Fantastic, brother. <laughs> um, and it sounds like your next show is going to be quite like quite a lot of our specials as well, where we get up in the morning and we might have a malt base, but no idea what hops we're throwing in. So they've been our best brews. <laughs> so it could be your best show. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know there's a show coming. We just don't know what we're <laughs> filling it with right, right now. Um, but you, our listeners, can help us out a little bit with some of our future content because we are launching a listener survey. Now, we last did this... Four years ago in in, in quite early on in my time, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, um, we want to find out what you folks think of the show, uh, which bits you enjoy, which bits you don't enjoy. Um, we want you to give us some ideas for future content, and we want you to be completely 100% honest while, while filling out the, 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 the survey as well, um, because it will help us shape where we're going in the future. And I am a firm believer that all feedback, good or bad, can be used to improve a thing. So please be honest um, while you're filling out the listener survey. There's a link in the show notes to the survey. It's going to be running until the middle of November. So we're going to run it over quite a few shows. And, and then what we'll do is we'll take stock of the results over, over the Christmas period and we'll have a look and we'll, we'll see how we can use that to um, improve the show go, going forward. I mean, we don't think we're in a bad place, but I'm, again, a big advocate of continuous improvement. You can, you can always be better uh, 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 what you do so um please we both martin and i have been through it it takes about five to ten minutes if yeah, you're gonna spend time um actually giving us some detailed feedback um it's completely anonymous as as, as well so if if you want to tell us you hate one of us feel free um we won't be 
upset in any way, shape or form. Well, don't you like? I don't like Steve and I don't like Martin. Hold on a second. <laughs> we did get Katie that. is fabulous, though. <laughs> we did actually get that the first time we did this listener survey. Uh, <laughs> somebody responded to one of the questions, um, what don't you like about the show? And they simply responded with one of the hosts. <laughs> and it's like, we've forever wondered which, which one of us that person didn't like. And also, how can you listen to a whole show if half of it you don't like listening to? Exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a link in the show notes to our listener survey. Um, please take some time to fill it out. It is important to us. We, we do want your honest feedback as well, um, because it will help us grow the show. And with that, I don't think we've got anything else to say this week. We've, we've done what we're doing next time. We've done the listener survey. We've really enjoyed the nomadic beers tonight and we've really enjoyed having Katie with us. Thank you once again for, for giving up your time and, and joining us this evening, Katie. And we do look forward to visiting and throwing hops into your, 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 <laughs> your, 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 your kettles in the future. Um, You're welcome anytime. Thank you. And, and all that's left to say is, is, is cheers. 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 Thanks for having me. Looking back on the track for a little green back. Got to find just the kind of losing my mind.